Hi, and welcome to Hack the Net, where every week we provide the internet with the hottest takes on the coldest news stories. I'm Matt Heron. I'm Jeff. I'm Louisa Heron. And we're back, baby. Yeah, we, we did it. Weren't we, we here last week? Yeah, we were yeah, back we last here. week also. Okay. <laughs> I know. We're always, we're back every week. Oh, that's, that's true. Except for the weeks that we're not back. Can't <laughs> keep happens. us down, except when you can. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's true. It happens to the best of us, and also to us. Yep. Do you guys feel like when people say happens to the best of us, it's kind of insulting? Like they're implying that they're better than you? I no, I think they're implying you're good. Yeah, because they're saying it about something that happened to you. See, I think if something happens to me and then someone's like, don't worry about it, it happens to the best of us. They're saying, you're not the best of us. But even if you were the best of us, this would still happen. Oh. And that seems a little rude, right? <laughs> I always took the implication to be, it happens to the best of us, of which you are an example. That that doesn't make sense, though, if you think about it for one second. Because Neither it's does already anything. happened to you. <laughs> so you already know it's happened to you, and they're giving you new information. It also happens to the best of us. <laughs> yeah, I do see what you're saying. I guess maybe it's that uh, playful deprecation thing where you like you're like you're in it together, you and the person you're talking to below whoever the best of us are. I guess what I'm saying is that when I say it, I mean that I'm better than the person I'm talking to. <laughs> okay, it happens to the best of us, i.e., me. I yes, like th- exactly. I like thinking of it as, uh, oh, it's the great equalizer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, even people at the top like of the social that. social structure will uh, have a really bad sneeze that makes their nose bleed or something. <laughs> <laughs> something that you'd yeah. say happens to the best of us. About comes for peasants and yeah. kings, the angel of death. Oh, but we don't have to worry oh, about it anymore. Yeah, we, that was before we started the show, though. You're going to have to put that at the end so people know what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm, I'm going to forget to, so I'll just summarize. Yeah. Uh, we talked about how uh, death isn't scary because of Jesus. <laughs> oh, I thought we were talking about how death wasn't scary because Shaggy's keeping yeah, it busy. Yeah, Shaggy from Scooby-Doo has defeated <laughs> yeah, death. Shaggy is protecting us from death. I or had to say from Scooby Doo so people didn't think that it wasn't him. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes! Get him! Get him, I <laughs> guess, for having from a hit song. Oh, How amazing. dare you? How dare you have a one hit wonder? Where is he from? <laughs> I was gonna. Shaggy from Scooby Doo or Shaggy from. Not from Jamaica. I know that. Jamaica. He's yeah, he's Jamaican American. He's Jamaican American. Yes. Okay, yes, yes. I was gonna say he puts on the voice, though. No, he was born in <laughs> Kingston. Louisa, I would like to really applaud you for saying the only wrong thing you could have said, <laughs> and then when Jeff corrected you, being like, yes, that is what I meant all along. <laughs> He's definitely not Jamaican. He's from Jamaica. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> the voice is put on is no, my point. He no, moved to, He moved to New York when he was 18. He definitely just has a Jamaican accent. I've heard him in uh, interviews, and he does not. Maybe that's the put on, Louisa. Oh, Maybe man. his non accent. How many levels down does this yeah. go? He's practiced the mid Atlantic accent. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> so the, hello, I'm Shaggy. <laughs> to the mid, like, north and south. The mid Caribbean yeah. accent. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, uh, I Deranged. love watching old movies and seeing the mid Atlantic accent. It is yeah. the greatest thing in the whole world. It's when so somebody's good. from a fucking farm in West Virginia, but they sound mm-hmm. like they went to both Oxford and Harvard. Yes. Oh, yeah. won't you take me to the St. Louis Fair, Father? Yeah. That's <laughs> good. Doing? 
just love the fact that Fraser and Captain Picard have the same accent, even though those actors are not from the same place. Mm -hmm. Captain Picard is famously from France, obviously, as you can tell from his accent. It's true. They uh they ended up giving an explanation to that like no, backstory to can't. it in Picard. They were like the they were like the Picard family uh, escaped out of Nazi occupied France to England. That's what? too far back. And they have they currently have an active vineyard in France. <laughs> yeah, they moved back eventually. He moved back. They he came back. So later. he has a British accent because his ancestors hundreds of years ago moved this to England wild. for a few years. No, his ancestors like he they stayed in England and uh the like the family chateau was reclaimed and later. They, hold on. And but they when named he was still a, a child, child they they named a baby Jean-Luc like yeah. 5000 years after they moved out of France. What do you <laughs> hey, say? Like 500 years. Ah! And then they, so they moved back to France when he was a little child. We know because we saw flashbacks to him living on the vineyard when oh, he yeah, was a true. child. Okay, yeah. So why does he have? <laughs> that still doesn't explain why he doesn't have an accent of the place he grew up. <laughs> I think French was probably a dead language by the time he was a child. That's part of the bit mm-hmm. of Star Trek: The Next Generation, right? No, that's a that's part a of the bit, bit from Futurama. Futurama. That is the smartest thing they ever did. I love that. Yeah, it's that's perfectly a very canon funny to joke. me. <laughs> I Damn. like to think that the real thing is Captain Picard is speaking French all the time and his Universal Translator is just uh, doing it. And the Universal know. Translator does the thing that movies in the 70s did where every accent that's not uh, American is just English. Yeah, it's like uh, it's Did it's you... like your your computer assistant. If you change it to a man's voice, it's suddenly British. Yes, exactly. Did you ever watch the show Other Space, which is a comedy yes. about idiots in outer space? Okay, I was going to say they handled that very well. Where the translator yes. breaks one day, and, and one then, of the people on board, what is her name? That, uh, Milana. The, Milana, the woman from the AT and T commercials, yeah. Milana Weintraub. Yes. Yeah, that's the one. She speaks mm, an Eastern European Ukrainian, language. I'm not sure. Yeah, but on the show, she speaks it in real life. Her family yeah. is from there. But then on the show, she instantly just switches over to speaking just that language, and no one can understand her. It's great. I love that her character is such an asshole, and she's still being an asshole, even though no one can understand what she's saying. That show rules. I wish they'd yeah. made more of it. They keep promising, um, who's that, Paul Feig? He keeps promising he's got the rights back from the, um, the companies, so, and he keeps promising he's working on something else, but... But everyone who was on it went on to be mega-famous in other comedies, that's the sad part. Uh, yeah. I don't know, I, I think mean, you could get... Kind of what uh, happened Karen, with Community. Karen... Pardon? It kinda, it's kind of what happened with Community, that's why they've been having trouble, I think, getting that movie on schedule. Hmm, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I think that everyone, because Paul Feig directed that uh, all-female Ghostbusters movie, right? And yeah. All, every every actor from Other Space was also in that movie. Yes. <laughs> and then he got, he got Ghostbusters cucked, and they made two sequels to the originals that no one likes. Yeah, I the, thought that, that all-female Ghostbusters was pretty good. Yeah, it was yeah. fine. It was, like, pretty the much just is- Ghostbusters. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it was actually about ghosts for the first time in the series. <laughs> if it was a follow-up to the movie Ghostbusters, which was a 
uh, like minor cult hit and not what Ghostbusters actually was, I think it would have been received really well. Yes. Yeah. I think that people like Ghostbusters more than they should. Yes. Because of, like, nostalgia stuff. Yes. And they forget that Ghostbusters isn't that good. Yes, and I say that even though I did have nostalgia and we watched it a million times growing up. Yes, I'm one of these people. I like Ghostbusters, but I recognize that it's not actually that good. It's mostly just Bill Murray riffing. Yeah, exactly. I I think that it's a bit of a mess, and they somewhat fixed it with this rebooted version by making the, like, they, I don't know, it felt more... There's a working class aspect to the premise of Ghostbusters that the movie does not bear out because they're all university mm-hmm. professors. Yeah. Yes. They're supposed also, to be plumbers, like, but for ghosts. It sets up the idea that the whole movie is going to be about them scrambling for money, but then that premise immediately runs out of gas and they become instantly super famous. Yeah, super famous, and nobody believes them when they're like, there's ghosts, so... <laughs> yeah, it really shaky. doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Yeah, it's it's like, a strange franchise. It really feels like it was informed by uh, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd's very unique experiences of being in comedy and then suddenly being mega famous. And they're mm. like, yeah, this is what happens to anyone. If you get successful, it means... Everyone on Earth instantly knows everything about you, right? <laughs> That's what being successful is. Oh, why would anyone? Why would anyone give a shit about a group of basically plumbers in New York enough to have them on the news? I yeah. I would love for a Ghostbusters movie to treat to be more like. Remember a few years ago they did that Men in Black with Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth, and it wasn't very yeah. good. But the premise was just thought. here's another branch of the Men in Black. Mm, yeah, that's all you need. It's just like, oh hey, a uh, franchise. Yeah, we're well, just this is the Chicago Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. You say the that's Great all you Lakes need, Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. You say that's all you need. I don't think the premise is actually that strong. I think the premise was just a background to them fucking around. And that's why, like, Stripes or whatever other Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd movie, like, I guess any of the early cast of SNL, any of those movies, it just depends on them fucking around. And the background isn't important. I don't know. To me, I I think the... The premise is where there's the most, like, gold to build on. That's that's the thing. I think you're both right. I think that the original movie was just like, whatever, we just need a backdrop for people to fuck around. But I think that the premise does have legs if you really stuck to it and made it about a group of people who are really struggling <laughs> to be successful as the actual ghost exterminators, but no one believes that ghosts are real. Yeah, that's, that's a, true. That could be a good movie. That could be a good premise. Yes. <clears throat> it just it's it's hard to do, I think, because one of the things people underestimate that is very funny about the original is the fact that it has a lot of complicated lore and backstory because that's what Dan Aykroyd cares about, but nobody else involved in the movie cares about it. Aha! See, I think that's great, but the problem is, as we were talking about retconning things to make them make sense, the more you add to the Ghostbusters franchise, the more you're going to try to explain that stuff, and you shouldn't. It should all be inexplicable. 
It should all just be stuff that one character in the movie does exposition about, and it provides a good tone for when the ghosts possess someone and need to ramble about stuff. Yeah, that's true. I think that I think that part of the weakness of the series, though, is how much they want to they try to make that stuff important. Because <laughs> yeah. I agree with you, I think that if the if the movies were like, haha, the joke of it is that this backstory is complicated, yeah. but it doesn't matter. I could get on board with that, but it does matter so much because then you're like, why are why did Rick Moranis turn into a dog. What, what what do these dogs have to do with this like weird 80s jumpsuit lady shooting lightning out of her hands? Why is there a, a giant marshmallow person here? That's part of what I like it. about it, though, is all of that stuff feels like it has explanations, but none of the characters figure out what any of it means. Yes, they I do, like though. that they don't they constantly care. are saying it, though. <laughs> well, I like that. Um, yes, uh, Dan Aykroyd's character yeah, is, is always trying to explain it. And then um, <sighs> Harold Ramis kind of buys in, but Bill Murray and uh, Ernie Hudson don't give a shit. When yeah, they're like, oh, this is, this is Zool, and Zool is from this time in history, and these things are the things we know about Zool. They don't care at all. <laughs> See, that's funny, though. That, yeah. They need to do more of that. Yeah, that's that is the saying. good part. That's what I'm saying. You can have a guy say, blah, 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 this is what we know about Zool, but you, the audience, as well as your cool hero characters, have to not care. And that's yeah. what I mean about the strength of the premise, because I think that that... I mean, that could be funny with real-life exterminators, just, like, someone who cares so much about ants or whatever and they're like oh they actually have these complicated structures and then mm. the other guy just being like whatever and poisoning them that's a funny <laughs> dynamic yeah i yeah do that. that with ghosts and you got you got something good there but i feel like they that's like one percent of the ghostbusters movies <laughs> uh, yeah i i i agree that they kind of got up their own ass by the time you get yeah. to like the new quasi reboot sequel the like paul rudd and those children one mm. that one like i haven't seen either of them but the, the new one comes out in the summer uh it looks stupid but i don't know i mm. haven't seen the other one either but i know that they bring zool back it's like why the whole yeah. point the whole point was it was this inexplicable weird 80s demon and yeah. like ray and egon knew a little bit about it and everyone else was like Okay, cool. Spandex wish monster. Got it. <laughs> Have we gotten to the point yet where the cool take is that actually Ghostbusters 2 is the better movie? Ugh. That will never be the cool take for me. <laughs> I think that it might be a better movie. I, I think- Here's the thing. I don't agree that it's a better movie, but I do like that they went in a different direction and didn't just try to do the same yes. movie over again. I will always uh, admire that in a sequel. I think that Vigo is a genuinely good villain for the Ghostbusters in a way that Zool was not. Yeah, that painting yeah. is really cool looking. Yeah, it's really good. And fucking, what's his face? Um, The guy from Ally McBeal? What's yeah. his name? Peter McNichol. Peter McNichol. Oh, he's great what in that pole. movie. He's so scary when he's got those <laughs> flashlight eyes. Oh, yeah. so good. Yeah. Uh, well, th- again, the real interests uh, uh, leaking into the movie script. I really love learning about the pneumatic tubes of New York City <laughs> with that movie. <laughs> yeah, that uh, was very cool. I mean, the art restoration stuff is actually pretty interesting, <laughs> even though they don't 
get into it very much. The yeah. fifth Ghostbuster is New York City. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> anyway, I Matt- don't know why they tried to have a relationship between um their uh, secretary. I'm just going to call her Velma. I know that's not her name, but <laughs> Velma and Rick Moranis. Because they were both Annie nerds. Potts, the incomparable Annie Potts. I love. Mm-hmm. She's playing a uh, no-nonsense uh, kind of mean character in the first movie. She is playing that. By the mm-hmm. second movie, she's broken containment and the character must become Annie Potts because she is so <laughs> purely Annie Potts she yep. can no longer be strapped down into a character. Yep. <laughs> I love that. What is that character? I, I genuinely think... Yes. Yeah, that sounds Janine right. Melnitz. I think that Ghostbusters 2 also is, like, significantly less um, problematic in terms of how uh, Bill Murray is stalking Sigourney Weaver in the first one. I guess yeah, that's so. Fair. Although they do. They do have to get together again, don't they? But it seems like they're... It seems like she also wants that in the second one, in a way that she absolutely doesn't in the first one. <laughs> Alright, fair. Um, yeah, I think Ghostbusters 2 is maybe better than the first Ghostbusters. That's fair to feel that way. Um, <laughs> I do like the, to look at the things in it, that is true. It's got some yeah. fun things to look at. That was one of the yeah. things that impressed me about the 2016 one, the, the Paul Feig one, is... The special effects were pretty good. Like all of the yeah. digital, the digital matte paintings and like the ghost designs, they were pretty cool. I really liked how it seemed visually inspired by the like dark light rides at mm. like theme parks. Yeah, where everything was so weirdly colorful. Yeah, that um, was nice. I think that that's a really cool way to go with it. I think part of why I haven't had any desire to watch the more recent Ghostbusters spinoff things is because they are trying to, like, continue that sort of gray, like, sad version of special effects of ghosts. But the idea of ghosts being, like, hypercolor is so cool and weird. Yeah, I I just, if you're gonna do a franchise movie, you should have some care about the artistry of it, because that's all Mm -hmm. you have control over, really. Yeah. Anyway, Matt, what'd you do this week? Besides um, watch Ghostbusters been... 2 five times. <laughs> I haven't been watching Ghostbusters 2, but what I have been watching, and I'm very curious to see how you guys feel about this, um, I've been watching the new Netflix series that just came out on Thursday, which is the live-action adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh-oh. You guys watched this show? I've heard I watched it's bad, the cartoon. No, I have not. Did you watch the cartoon, Louisa? No, I did not. Okay. This is something that I've struggled with for a long time. I think that Avatar The Last Airbender, the cartoon, is one of the greatest animated series of all time. I really genuinely enjoy it, and I think it does an incredible job of world building and dealing with actually complicated like political and emotional issues in a way that is both entertaining and thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. However, I have a hard time recommending it to people because the first let's say eight episodes or so it it's very clear that nickelodeon was like make this for kids make jokes about snot Mm -hmm. and like it takes a long time before it gets to the point where it's like good but you can't skip those episodes because you won't know what the fuck is going on (laughs) Uh uh-huh 
Yeah. So it's very frustrating because I think everyone should watch it, but I also understand that if you watch the first episode and you're like, this sucks, you're right. The first episode is terrible, but you do need to watch it to know what happens, what to understand the rest of it. That being said, this new live action one, I actually think it's not great, but it's it's doing a good job. It definitely tones down that childishness stuff in a good way, hmm. and it okay. edits out a lot of the cruft that you don't really need from the first season. Um, it is a little bit joyless, I guess. Yeah. It's like... I mean, it sort of suffers from the same thing that the live-action adaptations of cartoons that Netflix have been doing in general suffer. I watched One Piece. I thought that was fine. Um, their Cowboy Bebop live-action thing I thought was unfairly judged as bad when it was also fine. So it has that same sort of vibe where it's like, you're doing a very good, faithful adaptation of the best parts of the thing that you're drawing from, but you clearly don't really have a passion for it. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always get a sense of, like, why are, what's your angle? Why are you doing this? Yeah. Like, yes. if you're just going to try to perfectly recreate in live action with your production design exactly what the cartoon looked like with the same plot, why bother? Aha! Uh -huh. I think the, the a lot of people are doing that, all these Disney live uh, action remakes, because people will just go, oh yeah, I want to see what that looks like, and then see it. And that's what they need. Yeah. I also think that, like I was saying, it is a genuine improvement over the original show in terms of editing out the obvious Nickelodeon inserts of dumb kid humor and, like, padding episodes that don't matter. Mm -hmm. So I do think that someone involved likes the original show and realizes that this is an opportunity to correct its weaknesses but I do also think that there's a lot of work behind it by people who probably don't actually give a shit, and that's fairly obvious, is is the unfortunate truth. Mm, okay. Mm. Um, that being said, I very much appreciate that uh, they didn't cast white people in all the roles <laughs> like they did with that fucking M. Night Shyamalan one. Mm. I, I, I am so much more forgiving looking back on that because, one, M. Night Shyamalan himself is not white. Uh, mm -hmm. Two, it was uh, a movie that hired, like, more non-white actors than any other movie had in that whole, like, decade. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, but also, if that movie had been good, I don't think anybody would have cared that there were white people in it, because nobody cares that there's white people in the cartoon. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that it's kind of a bummer to me that the show, the cartoon show does such a good job of, um, like, being thoughtful about cultural differences between people. Yeah. And it, like, explores the sort of cultural complications behind attitudes towards things like war, but it was still created by two white guys, so it kind of feels like... Um, like, Orientalism a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Something interesting, I think, was the production design on the original. Like, really strove to create, like, vastly different aesthetic... On the live-action movie, I should say. Uh, mm. Strove to make, like, really different aesthetics for each of the nations. Um, yeah. In a way that anything I've seen from the new live-action series 
It just seems like they're trying to do the cartoon costumes. Like, yeah. they cast, they cast, like, light-skinned, light-haired white actors as the Water Tribe, so they were like, alright, let's make them kind of Viking-ish instead of Inuit. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. like, that, that, that kind of thoughtfulness at least kind of worked, but then I saw the trailer and I'm like, hmm, you just said East Asian for the Fire Nation, huh? You're not gonna keep it consistent yeah. about what type? <laughs> the thing that's so weird is that in the cartoon show, it's, like, clearly more nuanced than that in terms of the Fire Nation being kind of, I guess, China-inspired, and then... Oh, I took the... them as Imperial Japan. Mm, that is incorrect. <laughs> um, they, well, I mean, there's a lot of debate about it, but China was the one who was really f- focused on taking over every part of East Asia for a very long time. Mm. I mean, Imperial Japan, Japan made a uh, pretty uh, bold gamble on that, though, didn't they? Well, yes. I mean, certainly World War II stuff with Japan. Uh, well, there is a parallel to be drawn there, but given that the whole show takes place in the medieval period, I think it's probably more likely to be China. I don't know. I mean, I think the, this is the thing that I was going to say, though. Like, they did a weird thing where the Fire Nation is like, the imperialist attitudes of both China and Japan, and then the Earth Nation is, like, the other parts of China and Japan kind of mixed together. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a strange vibe, because I always had read the, the, um, I had always read the Earth Kingdom as, uh, as supposed to be, like, mainland China. Yeah, but then you see, like, the fact that the Air Nomads get wiped out by right, the, the Fire, Fire Nation. Nation. That's very Nepal or that's, Tibet. Yeah, rather. China just did that to Tibet, like, a hundred times over the history of it. Anyway, this, uh, so the cartoon about the little boy who shoots water out of his hands is good? <laughs> uh, I mean, he shoots all kinds of things out of his hands. It's fine. Um, I think if you like Avatar, The Last Airbender... You should give it a shot. It's fine. It's just the thing you like again. (laughs) So if you like it, you'll like it. But if you haven't watched Avatar The Last Airbender, the cartoon, I think you should start with that and really just hold your nose and accept the first five to ten episodes, which I know is a big ask, so you don't have to. But if you do, you will be rewarded with one of the best cartoon series of all time, I think. Mm, Fair enough. Anyway, um, Louisa, what have you been up to this week? Uh, this week, just yesterday, in fact, I got the latest Super Mario Brothers game, which is Super Mario Brothers Wonder, which did mm-hmm. come out last year, but I've only just gotten it. When you posted in our Discord that you were thinking about buying it, mm-hmm. I really wanted to post the wave of Has Louisa Tried Skyrim? <laughs> But I went to the trouble of looking up whether you could use your Nintendo coupon for Skyrim, and you can't. So I was like, ah, oh, this joke won't work. That's what Fair. I figured. Yeah. Yeah, I was in a position where I knew for sure I wanted Tears of the Kingdom. And last year, I think for several years, actually, Nintendo has a thing where for $100, you can get two vouchers. So Tears of the Kingdom being a $70 game, that means this other voucher, whatever it was for, would basically be $30. And it's any... Any included game of theirs, 
And this, Super Mario Brothers Wonder, is another AAA-priced game. So I was like, well, getting it at a steep discount? Perfect. Yep. This is such a very good game for exactly what it is. I had heard it was kind of a sequel to Super Mario World, that type of game. It's a side-scroller. And it is. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. Everything looks beautiful. It's got some very cute, like, extra weird things that will happen. I really love it. Have you guys both played it? Uh, I, I have not. I've, I've never been a huge fan of the 2D Mario okay. pl- platformer games. I, yeah, I I would give it a shot if it was ever less than, you know. I, I, I would try it for $10, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, you'll never be able to play it then. Yes. Um I I uh I liked the new Super Mario Bros games. I like that they're trying to shift and evolve that style of game. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. but it did it it felt a little like this one kind of threw out a bit of baby with the bathwater. Not all of the baby. There's still some baby. Hmm, what do you mean? Oh, that's the that's even worse if you think about it for <laughs> yeah. even one second. That's, yeah. that's why I'm demanding that you don't. Um, Wait, I'm I mean, curious. What do you think that they got rid of that they shouldn't have? Uh, I mean, there's just there's stuff like more uh, challenge stages and like mm. more specificity over the difficulty. Um, okay. One change that I don't think I would have somebody pointed out. I don't think I would have noticed it is if you grab one of the bonus, like, big coins that Mario games always have, in every other Mario game, if you grab it and then fall into a bottomless pit, you don't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. But in this one, if you grab it and fall into a bottomless pit, you have it. You you grabbed it. Which removes any challenge from trying to grab those, because <laughs> you don't have to land afterward. See, I guess I agree with you, but I got so frustrated with those coins in other games, I kind of don't mind that. Oh, you're the problem. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, I feel like a lot of the rating of how difficult a stage is, or the different types of stages available, I think a lot of that might be because this is a game designed to also have multiplayer. Because you can choose one of, like, ten or something characters to play, and then you can have up to three other people play with you. New Super Mario Brothers has had multiplayer since the Wii one. Honestly, multiplayer yeah. makes the game harder. <laughs> I don't know if yeah, that's true I, for this I'm one. Not... I don't think there's uh you don't have um friendly fire anymore in this one, which I think is good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not intending is... to play multiplayer, but I feel like the game is a little bit geared towards that possibility. Yeah, yeah this is the problem, is that I feel like all video game makers assume that everyone wants to be playing multiplayer if they can, and I just don't. I almost never like playing a game with other people. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely me too, but uh, I do think this game is fun. And I love that they keep throwing it- sorry? I was just gonna say, like, we've talked before about playing Baldur's Gate all together, and that would be fun, but the (laughs) idea of getting everyone together to do it at a time when we could all do it, and then playing it, and then, uh, let's be- Honest, probably Jeff just trolling us and killing all the NPCs while we're trying to play through the game actually sounds miserable. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> yes, you absolutely would. I would make a you nice would boy. Person, you, would be, you would be the person who makes a character that has the dark urge without telling us, and then we wouldn't find out until like halfway through the game. 
No, I would, I'm already playing as the Dark Urge in my single player. See, I'd be a nice, <laughs> See? I'd be a nice one for multiplayer. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, if we multiplayer, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but if we multiplayer, I want to be wearing the most ridiculous clothes I possibly can, and I'm not sure mm. the game would let me do that, and that's a big part of it for me. Yeah. Ugh. Speaking of ridiculous clothes, in this game. I love that they are continuing to innovate weird things for Mario to pick up and change his little outfit or his entire physical properties. Yeah. You can, you can be an elephant, you can pick up a, a a flower that isn't a fire flower, and it makes your clothes purple, and then you can shoot bubbles for no reason. I love it. Yeah. I'm glad that they haven't been trying to continue to shove that cat concept down our throats, because <laughs> I hated that. Yeah, I didn't care for the cat at all. It's interesting. I mean, the idea was cute, but the uh, the powers it had, I didn't like them. It was in. It wasn't weird enough. I, what I liked about the um, the raccoon powers is that you got them from a leaf. Mm-hmm. It turned you into a raccoon, and the power you got was flight. None of those things are connected to any of the others of those things. I think they are in Japanese mythology. That's why the Tanuki. Um, that's why Tom Nook also. Deals in leaves. leaves. And fly. Yeah, I think leaves are associated with Tanukis. Well, I'm sure, but I guess that's my point, is that, like, I love that that is inscrutable mm. to our audience, yes. and it's it's the, a bummer that the cat just did cat things, the, the things I already know about cats. The Karibo shoe, they never brought that back either, and I love yeah, that. Yeah, that shoe was so cool and weird, <laughs> and it was only in, like, two levels. <laughs> And that one that let you turn into a statue, that was so useless. Oh, what was yeah. the point of that? Yeah, but I love that they're still doing that. They're still throwing out ideas. This bubble yeah. one's pretty damn useless, but every time I get it, I'm like, hooray, bubbles! <laughs> and an apple that turns you into an elephant. What a delight. Yes, yes! You can just lumber around, you can hold water in your trunk and then spray it on people. They hate it! <laughs> <laughs> so fun. Um, I love that, like Super Mario World, uh, which you have to be pretty old to remember this, but it was super exciting to see a game able to have a very large character on screen and it didn't flicker in and out of existence like it did on the NES, Mm. on the Super Nintendo. So that was awesome. And now I feel like they're doing that even better now. You've got layers of background that can move into the foreground in interesting ways. Can you believe that the technology has improved in the last 40 years? I can't believe that they're using the same aesthetics to bring it to me in exciting and innovative ways. So yeah, it's, that's it, very exciting. It is interesting that it uses a lot of the same visual language, but like, still exciting to have Big Boss on screen, even though it's not hard to do anymore. Yeah. And the thing is, in this game, every level has a button that makes things go crazy. And there's no rhyme or reason to what happens when you press that button, which is mm-hmm. super exciting. If you push the button, you get a million dollars, but someone dies. <laughs> it's Waluigi. There's a, <clears throat> there's a new creature that just charges you if it sees you. It looks kind of like a buffalo. It's called a bull rush. And there's one level where you press the button, you hear a rumbling sound, everything starts to shake, and then a herd of these things bursts in from the side of the screen, and you have to ride them to the end of the level. Ugh, it's so fun and terrifying, (laughs) and it's great. (laughs) I can't recommend it enough. Also, Jeff doesn't like that there's flowers that talk to you. I I, like this. I'm ambivalent about the flowers. (laughs) I will say that I... I do understand that something that can be delightful at first after 
many hours of it. Like those those um what do they call them? Calls? The like throwaway dialogue lines that characters just say in the background. Mm-hmm. Oh, they yeah. can get pretty annoying. Yes. In this game, there are flowers in the level and they are part of the background. You cannot interact with them in any way. They're just there like a Greek chorus. Mm-hmm. And the things they say are either just neutral, like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Which I think is so cute. Or <laughs> they will say specific things. Like there might be one on a platform and they're like, oh, boy, it's pretty boring here. Nothing to see, really. And then you know, if you stand on that platform, you can make it drop, and then the flower is going to start screaming <laughs> as you're both <laughs> falling into the uh, subterranean part of the level. And then when you land, they're going to be like, oh, oh my god, that was really scary. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. That is great for me, and they have so many different lines that they say. You I love torturing awesome. those nice flowers. <laughs> I think it's really hard and Nintendo does a great job with this. I think it's really hard to make something that is actually literally funny to children and adults, and they're able yeah. to do that in this game. They've always been better at that than the average, I yes, feel like. I think so, too. I I recently played that Super Mario RPG uh, remake, and some of the jokes in that do hold up, even though yeah. they were funny to me as a child also. Because you kind of get the feeling that jokes for adults have to reference things to advance for children or be too dirty or imply something. And they don't have to, actually, at all. You can have fun with the absurdity of life and language without yeah, having yeah. any of that, which is nice to, to and realize. And similarly, most people, when they write jo- most adults writing jokes for children are like, I don't know what children find funny. Yeah. I guess, like, poop or farts or something. Yeah. yeah. Gotta have a farting butt in in it to be yeah. for children. <laughs> I remember yeah. as a child hating that and being like, this is demeaning that you think that this is what I would find funny. Surely there yeah. must be other horrible children like I was. But yeah. now as an adult, you love it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Give me that. I watched Madagascar 150 times. <laughs> Just keep rewinding to that part where Jar Jar slips in the poopy. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That happens in Madagascar? I have not seen it. <laughs> yeah, Jar Jar moved to Madagascar. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Didn't like him. Mm-hmm. Madagascar. Uh, he does like Jar. to move it, move it. Is that <laughs> from go. that movie? From? I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, that that song does appear in that movie, and I think a lever dances to it. Yeah, that sounds right. Oh, anyway, <laughs> uh, I highly recommend this game if you like... If you like the type of simple side-scroller where everything looks beautiful, it's fun, and then you get to collect all the correct things and get 100% and move on to the next level, I love that. So, it's a nice change from complicated games. I am ready for the Switch, too, you guys. Yes. Nintendo's not. Until 2025, I think. Yeah, yeah, I know it's going to be a long time, but, like, yeah. I don't like playing my Switch anymore. Oh, now come that I- on! <laughs> I just don't enjoy it. It's It's old and crappy now. (laughs) Well, like, I don't know. The stuff that delighted me about it at first, like, the fact that the controllers on the sides are on rails, so they're always, like, a little bit rattly, it doesn't feel great. Mm. And it's just, like, heavy and weird proportions and your your arms get tired holding it in handheld mode. And then when you put it, plug it in and then... You either need to buy a very expensive controller or use the little pieces. I don't know. 
it's fine, but I'm ready. I'm ready for them to do something to iterate on it. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for what might be good about the Switch too, but I'm still okay with this one at the moment. Nah, I don't know. Uh, Jeff, what have you been up to? Um, I've been playing a lot of video games this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, yesterday I played, I think, about half of a game called The Hex. It was the Mm. previous, uh, Daniel Mullins game. Uh, you may know him from, uh, as the creator of Inscription and Pony Island. Oh, yes. Um. This is a geometry game? It's sort of like a murder mystery-ish. The Hexagon did it. Uh... I don't know why it's called the Hex yet, but there are six characters, so probably that. Um, okay. But it it's like you're in a a bar for um like failed video game protagonists. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and you get to play through each one, like play a little bit as each one of them, and discover um their backstory via radically different gameplay in each segment of the game um that's cool yeah it's it's it was fun and interesting um not done i mean that's a lot like in um inscription where every character had a completely different card game associated with them yeah it feels a lot like uh a lot of the ideas that eventually became inscription yawning started out here (laughs) um uh, I've also been playing a game called, I played a lot more of this one, called Void Stranger. Um, mm. It's a very popular indie game right now that is in the uh, the Sokoban genre. Uh, that's uh, the types of games where you're on a grid and you have to figure out how to move the like boxes around to get out. Um, oh, like uh, like those car puzzles. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think a, a popular recent example is Baba Is You, um, yeah. or any ice dungeon in a Zelda game. Um, yeah. They have but, a lot of that in Professor Layton games, too. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, um, this This game is sort of a very elaborate, somewhat spooky version of that, that also nice. has aspects of, like, Kind of that inscription style haunted video game type stuff of like, oh, there's oh, cool. there's weird secrets to find in there and like unexplained mm. mysteries that you can investigate if you want. Um, this is kind of bumming me out because that stuff sounds really appealing to me, but I hate those slide block puzzles. The <laughs> uh, you might be less uh, annoyed about this one because the main mechanic is not pushing boxes, but um picking up the tile in front of you and then you can place it down somewhere. Mm. Um, And then uh, some of the secrets you can find kind of expand the mechanical possibilities of the game in a way that's interesting. Um, Yeah, I've been enjoying that. I'm not sure if I'm gonna like continue all the way through. Uh, I finished sort of the first act of the game and then after that, it gets significantly more difficult, um, mm. and I'm not sure that I want to struggle through that, <laughs> but I've mm. been enjoying it. Spooky Haunted Video cool. Games. Nice. 
Um, what's the premise of this podcast? Well, I'm glad you asked. So every week after we talk about, you know, things we actually care about, we go to the uh, news pages and let the algorithm recommend to us stories that are about things we might be interested in, and we skip all the stuff that make us sad. This week, I got a uh, an article recommended to me in the technology section of Google News for some reason, and the headline is... Innovative MTG Rakdos Vampires deck boasts incredible ProTor win rate. Nice. Yeah, wow. Right. That's right, At least right, some you guys. of those words sounded like words to me as you said them. I'm going to get back on my Magic the Gathering shit for a minute here. <laughs> so vampires um, again. Haven't they done vampires already? <laughs> I think they already made a bunch of movies about vampires. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They can't do any more. They can't yeah, possibly no. have another deck about vampires. Vampires is, I think, the fourth or fifth most supported creature type in Magic the Gathering. Number one, of course, is humans. <coughs> Number two, I think, is dragons. Goblins? Three is angels. Damn. What's that? Goblins, goblins? is going to be my guess. Uh, yeah, goblins might be four, and then I think vampires is five. So vampires is one of the big uh, groups. But for a very long time now, the uh, the best decks in the timeless uh not timeless the non-rotating formats like pioneer and uh historic and stuff like that has been a rakdos mid-range deck um because shieldred is a very good card this is all stuff that no one knows what i'm talking about (laughs) but anyway um the new magic the gathering set that came out a couple of weeks ago is called murders at karlov manor and in Unlike normal sets, instead of it being about a big war, uh, it is a smaller scale thing where the leader of one of the guilds of Ravnica has been murdered, and you have to... Uh, is everyone defend. a suspect? This is important. Yes. Uh, and the card the card game um, is sort of representing the, the investigation into who did it, who done it. Mm. Something I actually thought was really cool about this is... There is a solution to who did it, and you have to play the ARG of the game to figure it out. And then if you build a deck that tells the story of who did it, you get a like a free gift on the on Magic Online. Ooh, that's pretty yeah. cool. That's very strange and fun. Yeah, it's really cool. So they did like certain cards that you could get have like hollow foiling on them to make them shiny, but if you turn it in the light you can see that there's actually secret messages written in hollow foil on some of them Ooh. and you can use that to help solve the pro- the the murder so the whole community got together for a couple weeks and was like solving this murder it was pretty fun it's the only thing that anyway. magic the gathering community ever did collaboratively i mean they collaborate on complaining about wizards of the coast all the time that's yeah um but the so if you are at all interested in getting into Magic the Gathering, which I think is worth it, it is a very complicated game, but it is one of the most innovative strategy uh, experiences you can have, if that's the kind of game you're interested in, strategizing and stuff like that. you have to. For, the first thing you have to do is get over the fact that you're going to lose half the time. That is a hard thing to get over, and you get really angry, and you have to keep reminding yourself that if you didn't lose half the time, then the other person would be losing more than half the time, and then it wouldn't make sense. So, that's one. Number two, 
you need to learn that they have dumb names for all of the different color combinations, and you need to learn what those are, or you won't understand anything. Oh, man, that's a tough one. So, yes. So, black and red together is called Rakdos, for reasons that are complicated, but Rakdos means a combination of black cards and red cards in your deck, and Rakdos has been the best deck for a long time, um, but now, instead of regular Rakdos mid-range, now the, the best deck seems to be becoming Rakdos Vampires because of this new card that came out in Murders at Karlov Manor called Vein Ripper. Ooh. I was going to say, vampires do love black and red, that's for sure. Yes, exactly. I mean, black and red has been a combo color for vampires for a long time, either that or black and white for the like weird religious vampires, which are awesome. Um, I think I mentioned this before, but in their Mesoamerican uh, plane set, the vampires are all the conquistadors, so their color combo is black and white because they all think that they are like holy uh, pilgrims. That's awesome. <laughs> they're vampires. Hmm. Yeah, it kicks ass. Um, yeah, black, anyway. black is usually undead and red is usually like infernal demon or like goblinoid type stuff in general. Demons right? are also usually black. The, the The main thing about red is that it's fire, obviously, but it also is like um, representative of the idea of like short term uh, thinking, like doing things that benefit you immediately, even though they may hurt you in the long run. So the idea of, like, getting in quickly, like, for instance, one of the main red mechanics is the idea that you can look at the top card of your deck, and you can play it immediately, but if you don't, you have to discard it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's a lot of, I know there's a so, lot of haste in red, it's like, red is yes, for, haste red is is another for fast one. decks. Yep, red also has a lot of things where you can benefit yourself by hurting yourself. Like, you take one damage, but it gives you the ability to give somebody else one damage, stuff like that. Um, so that's why it makes sense with vampires in if for a certain flavor of vampire. Um, but they've been trying to push vampires for a really long time, pretty much since uh, the, the vampire wedding at Innistrad, like, two years ago. Um, but it hasn't been able to break through. But now it seems like it is doing so, so that's cool. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I don't think vampires are ever going to overtake humans or angels as oh, the most popular God. sets. <laughs> <laughs> you um, say that now. <laughs> the, although, I'm really excited because, so, the reason that humans are the most popular uh, creature type is because every plane that you go to has humans. Not all of them have all of the magical creatures, but they all have humans. Mm. But they just announced, well, not just, but... They've announced that the set that they're doing over the summer this year is going to have no humans at all in it. Oh, oh my no. god. Yeah, the set is going to be called Bloomborough, and it's all, like, um, Beatrix Potter-style animals. That's oh, fun. that's fun. It's going to be awesome. I'm really excited for that one. The next one they're doing is the Outlaws at Thunder Junction, which is a western set for some reason. So that's weird, but the one after that I'm excited about. Bloomborough, I think, is going to be good. What if they gradually and secretly turned the game into, like, Uncle Wiggly or something, and you <laughs> didn't notice until it was too late, and Magic the Gathering is gone, and you can only yeah. play Tiddlywinks games for kids? I'm, what I is Uncle Wiggly? That it is the, 
I do think that Magic the Gathering is going away because uh, they also just announced that they are, instead of doing four sets a year, they're now going to start doing three sets a year so that they can do more universes beyond, uh, like they did with Lord of the Rings. They're doing a Final Fantasy one this year. Uh, they're doing a Assassin's Creed one. They're doing Marvel next year, I think. So, like, they just, I think, getting rid of their own IP and it's in exchange for making their card game just be every IP, which mm. is fine, but kind of sad. Yeah. And Uncle Wiggly is like rabbits wearing clothes, and it's one of those games for kids like Candyland or something where you don't really do anything but roll dice and move. Mm-hmm. Count the number of cherries you pick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see. Fun. Anyway, that was a long, boring thing, but I know that there are some people who listen to this show who also play Magic the Gathering, so for those people, they were excited by this, I think. I'm excited about the idea of weird new innovations for the game. I like that. I like hearing about that. I think it's genuinely incredible that this game has been going on for almost my entire lifetime, and they still are coming up with new like ways to change the strategies of it. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, a set will come out where there's one card, like Vein Ripper, that you're just like, this card doesn't seem w- crazy overpowered or wildly different from what you normally do, but it was just the one grain of sand you needed to make this deck viable, and now suddenly this deck is the best deck, you know? Yeah. Yep. That is fun. Yep. So, if you like board games, it's worth trying Magic the Gathering, especially now that Magic the Gathering Arena exists and it's so easy to play for free. Um, you know, it is hard. It's hard to get to the point where you understand everything that's going on. But once you get it, it's really good. It's probably the best card game of all time. I don't think that's a particularly uh, controversial thing I just said. What about Old Maid? <laughs> or I mean, I guess, you, I guess like... What do you even call that? Like, non-trading card games? <laughs> uh, They're called playing card games, aren't they? Yeah, that but makes sense. Boomer games. That doesn't That doesn't seem... I'm playing a card game when I'm playing no. Magic the Gathering. Old, old, no. West, card old West card games. <laughs> yeah. Card games you could play with a tarot deck if you had to. <laughs> I bet you could play Magic the Gathering. Now that would be a good Magic the Gathering set. Just go Is to a it? plane that's just the tarot. <laughs> Isn't that, that how they awesome. started? I thought that sort of thing no. was how they started. No, oh, all no. right. They were really extremely like Dungeons and Dragons inspired in the early days, more than anything else. I think. Yeah, but I mean, for card mechanics, like the idea that certain certain uh, suits are weak to other suits in certain circumstances, like that's also part of the tarot. It's not really part of Magic the Gathering, okay. unfortunately. Alright. It seems like it would be, to an outsider. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, certain strategies are vulnerable to colors. Like, for instance, um, like, black doesn't have a way to get rid of enchantments, really. And so if you're playing a deck that has a lot of enchantments, you'll do better against black. But mm-hmm. but in terms of colors versus colors, there's not, uh, like, a rock-paper-scissors thing going on. It's not like black always beats you know, green or whatever. Okay. Also, almost no one plays monocolored decks anymore because that's very boring and it's much funner to try to figure out how you're going to get fucking 
you know, white and red to work together. Although actually Boros is doing much better these days than it used to. <laughs> anyway, no one gives a shit about any of this. So instead, I'm going to ask <laughs> Jeff, what was your news story? Uh, I actually got a very targeted news story titled, mm-hmm. Is Christopher Nolan's Tenet the Misunderstood Masterpiece Some Claim It To Be? Uh, I had that recommended to me this morning, and I was like, they've been watching me talk to Jeff about Tenet. Uh, Tenet was re-released in theaters. I did not see it the first time or know what it was about. And I went to go see it uh, Friday afternoon at the big IMAX up in Lincoln Center. Um, and to answer this headline, yes, it's great. Okay. It's a pretty good movie. What? what? is this movie about whenever i try to think of it i realize i'm just thinking of inception okay thinking of david tennant yeah that's what happens exactly he's the star right it's about him Uh, a biopic so the basic uh hmm have you seen the movie primer no i don't even know what it is okay matt you've seen primer yes hmm uh, so it's a time travel movie that's about how sad it would be to invent time travel, kind of. Tenet is, is if Tenet is if Primer was a Mission Impossible movie. Now I have to figure out how to explain it to Louisa. Is uh, it Live Die Repeat a time travel Mission Impossible movie? Yeah, that's true. This one, the thing about Primer, uh, it's time travel works by you get in a little box and you stay in there. Uh, for however long you want to travel back, and when you get out, it's that far back. That sounds and it's, rough. It's a consistent timeline in the style of, like... Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, Bill and Ted. Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> um, where, like, the stuff that happened, happened. Um, uh, yeah. And Tenet takes those exact rules, except instead of having to stay in the box, you go through a turnstile that turns you backwards. And you're going backwards through time like Merlin until you go back through a turnstile again. So you're aging forward, but traveling backwards. So if you wanted to go back 500 years, you couldn't because you'd just be a skeleton. Is this what I'm... Yes. The movie takes place uh, over about two weeks. uh, First one way and then the other. (laughs) Uh Aha! And it's really, 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 really fun. And I get the complaints about it being hard to follow uh but if you just like stop trying to figure out how it would work in big air quotes scientifically it's fun it's a movie where sometimes some of the people go backwards that's it that's all you need to know (laughs) when you're going backwards Uh here we go do you still go forwards to you yes so you seem backwards to everyone else. Yes. Now, if you say if you meet someone, do you say bad bye instead of goodbye? Yeah, you talk about how much how Superman's your best friend. Oh my god, was right. that yeah. hate Lois Superman's Lane. problem that he was just <laughs> yeah. traveling backwards through time? This yeah, time? he got an attendant yep. machine. <laughs> yep, <laughs> and then he's trying to figure out how it worked, and it drove him insane. Uh, that's why he's a robot. He's from the future. Um. Yeah, there's multiple. Well, Superman's not a robot, so he has to be a robot. He's the opposite <laughs> of Superman in every way. That's uh, complicated. Superman <laughs> doesn't exist, so Bizarro must exist in the real world to be fully the yes. opposite. Yeah, mm-hmm. this um, is one of those things, like you said about Tenet, where you really shouldn't think too much about no, the details. You can't. <laughs> yeah, it's like you'll see in the trailers stuff moves backwards, and you're like, "What's that about?" Uh, mm. 
the movie will contextualize most of those scenes by then showing you the scene from the perspective of whoever's going backwards. So now everything else is backwards and that guy's going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a lot of fun to watch. It sounds like watching a music video in the 90s <laughs> where they were so excited about being able to reverse film. Yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of that. Um, but it's just like they they really take the what would a military action movie uh, with this like how would how would that go with this type of technology? So like the whole thing culminates in an operation where they were like, all right, we got the intel from the people who went through the next part of the operation backwards, and they got the intel from us. 15 minutes from now. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's very strange and fun. Uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, I recommend seeing it on the biggest screen you can, even if that is your television. Um, and if you watch it at home, put the subtitles on. I think the only reason I was able to understand the dialogue was because I saw it in IMAX and the volume, uh, as Nicole Kidman would say in the pre-roll ad, uh, sound that I can feel. Um, but if you the subtitles appear backwards text when people are talking backwards, <laughs> so you can pause it and figure it out. Uh, I don't know what would happen. I didn't watch it with subtitles. Oh, uh, and there's no subtitles. Are for there when people, people talking backwards in this? There are people who speak backwards. Yeah, because they mm. there are people who go f- who are going forward who interact with people who are going backwards. Yeah. Oh man. That, um, the coward's way out is going to be, it's going to just say in parentheses, speaking backwards. But the good way would be <laughs> if it just showed the subtitles, but they were, like, mirror flipped. Yeah. Um, anyway, awesome movie. It did poorly in theaters because it came out in July of 2020. Yeah, it sucks. Not because oh, it's bad. he insisted it be in theaters, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, if he had just, if he had just delayed its, like, if it had actually come out for the first time now, I feel like it would be a huge hit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I might give it a shot. I, I don't, I'm not opposed to it, I just, I've found his stuff to be not super fun. I think it's good, but I don't know that I enjoy it a whole lot. I mean, Memento, I don't think you're supposed to think is right. fun, but even his, um, his Batman movies are so good, but really depressing. Yeah. This one, thankfully, has two charming lead actors in John David Washington mm-hmm. and Robert Pattinson. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it does still have a lot of, like, weight of the world on their shoulders type of seriousness to it. Um, yeah. I think of of his movies, it is the most uh, kind of fun, goofy, good time one. Hmm. Right. It doesn't it doesn't bill itself that way. <laughs> no, I think they tried to preserve a lot of the premise because it's hard to explain in a trailer. Um mm-hmm. so it ends up just being a lot of John David Washington looking at a car flipping over backwards and being confused. Yeah. Um <laughs> I feel like the trailers tried to sell it as like doesn't it kick ass to see this guy get bullets sucked out of him? And you're like, uh, I guess. I don't know. It just looks like you're reversing the film. You know, like, I don't think they sold it very well. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I literally did not even know the premise of the movie going into it, and then I was like, oh, is that what this movie's about? Okay, cool. Um, That's good. Made it's for great a fun. That you get to be surprised by a movie and also enjoy it. Yeah, I think that's what people. I think guys like Christopher Nolan get misunderstood by movie guys and by like people who are in the general audience but a little more discerning Mm -hmm. like people who are in it for a movie no matter what like the the lowest common denominator his movies are for them and they're for people who are very into movies to the point where they're like i'm tired of smart movies i would like to watch (laughs) john wick three (laughs) um and it ends up being that the people just below that level are like, this movie's up its own ass, it's trying to be smarter than it seems. And people uh, just above that bottom level are like, this is too smart for me and I don't understand it. <laughs> but you have to think less about the movie. Uh, it's a movie for dumb people made by smart people. Okay, that does sound appealing. I think <laughs> that that's still... No, I don't know. I don't know that I like a movie... One of the things that I like in a science fiction or fantasy movie is when people really drill down on, like, what would this mean for the world if this were true? And I don't like, in general, when movies are just like, don't worry about it. You know? (laughs) Yeah, this more asks the question, I mean, like any Christopher Nolan movie, it would be like, what would it mean for this emotionally stunted man? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, what if, what if one emotionally stunted man could go into a black hole or invade your dreams or become the Batman? (laughs) Yeah. I actually thought Inception did a pretty good job of being like, there's a whole world going on that you don't know about where, like, it's just in the background and we're not going to get into it, but people are aware of this dream invading technology and there's like, security experts who try to prevent it and like thieves who figure out how to exploit it like i think that they did a pretty good job in that one of thinking out how the world would change if this technology was invented mm-hmm. um in a way that usually i find christopher nolan movies do not yeah yeah it's uh this one i don't think can like if there was a way to go through a little flippy do and go backwards, it would be a thing that you'd have to keep very secret. Mm-hmm. So it would be hard to explore the larger implications beyond like, we can't let people know this exists. Yes, but I do think that the people who do know about it would use it for the worst possible things. Mm, that's Kenneth Branagh's character. He plays some kind of Russian <laughs> villain. God, of course he does. <laughs> the idea that it would have to be a Russian is ridiculous. It would be Elon Musk. <laughs> and he would use it to, like, prank on people before they could insult him. Or possibly have them killed before they could insult him online. Mm, but then they would already have not insulted him, because they already died in the past. Yeah, but he would figure out a way to make it stupid, is my point. <laughs> oh man, Terminators but stupid. That's what, that's Elon <laughs> Musk's whole whole career trajectory. Yeah. What if we uh, made that's... dumbass Terminators? <laughs> yeah, I, the, so much of the premise of Terminators is like, 
we made these decisions because we had to to save humanity, but it ended up dooming us. They never explored the idea of like, yeah, no, we just did Terminators because we were bored and some idiot did it. And we were all like, don't do it. But he did it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, the premise of every Terminator sequel seems to be like, okay, we did. Yeah, we did stop the Terminators, but somebody else made them, you know, mm-hmm. if a long, give it a long. How do you, you don't you reach a point though when it's like then nothing means anything? There's never a win for humanity because somebody could always just go back and change it. Yeah, I mean it's well. it's it's carcinization, but for Terminators, <laughs> technology will always always eventually evolve to be a robot skeleton that kills people. That's <laughs> why you, accent. <laughs> that's why society needs to advance to the point where it's illegal for any machine to be able to contain any amount of knowledge, like in Dune. Yes. Oh God, I love that part of the premise of Dune is we already like Asimov's really popular right now, and I'm not doing that. Yeah, they already did a I whole mean, thing where they got rid of AI. There's no computers in this world anymore. I love the, I mean, it's set, what is it, like, five, fifteen thousand years in the future or something? Like, so far in the future, I love the idea that you'd be like, yeah, no, they already got through the whole killer robots thing, and they were like, this blows, we're never doing this again. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to train- high on worm poop. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna just do nothing but train Timothy Chalamet's to be our computers. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Uh, anyway. Do this summer. Catch it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, comes out like a month. Uh, did Louisa do a news story yet? No, not no. yet. Do one. And mine is one of those ones that asks the headline is a question to shock and alarm you. So get ready. <laughs> okay. I'm going to answer it as if you're actually asking me. Okay. Why is no one eating this ice cream flavor anymore? Mm, probably, you know, because... There's so many options to choose from. Boring. Bad answer. How, Jeff? How, oh, damn. How could you ask me that? I'm so shocked and insulted. Oh, does oh, it have beaver anus in it? <laughs> oh, maybe. It might. If, if <laughs> you're lucky. That, that thrill of uh, the unknown. The thrill of beaver anus. Have you guys ever looked that up and found out that it's not really true and get bummed out by the fact that you believed it? Uh, they do do it for some, though. I mean, it has happened. They they do. I mean, it used to be much more popular, but it's just very expensive to raise beavers for that, so they yeah. just don't do it anymore. Yeah. You like, make... it's not that they were like, this is cruel to beavers. They yeah. were just like, oh, beavers are hard to farm, and we figured out a way to do it with chemicals instead. What flavor was it? It was like raspberry vanilla. or something, right? Oh, well, vanilla. vanilla. They can make vanilla out of wood, they know now. Yes, exactly. Vanillin. That's what they do instead of killing beavers. Yeah. See, I'm googling beaver ass flavor. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, get you some of that beaver ass flavor. Yeah, yeah that's the name of my next hip hop album. <laughs> Castor oil. Castorium. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Okay, now I understand. Oh. Oh, okay. I thought it was going somewhere. No? Okay. No, I just forgot what the beaver butthole was. <laughs> so, the question is, what is this ice cream flavor? Any guesses? Um, Why is no one eating this ice cream flavor? Chocolate. Anymore? Rum raisin. Ooh, that's a good guess. Rum raisin P- is a good guess. I also thought it might be rum raisin, but no. Pistachio? Uh, pistachio. No! Get ready to uh, be disappointed. Oh, more guesses? Mint chip. Something ripple. 
What did Jeff say? Mint chip. No. And something ripple? No. Peanut butter ripple. No. Okay. I got nothing. All right. The flavor is vanilla chocolate chip. Okay. Yeah, that sounds bad. (laughs) That's why. So the question is, why is no one eating this ice cream flavor anymore? Boring. And as you could guess, because no one wants to. (laughs) It is boring. (laughs) I would not have even... Like, that wouldn't have been in my top ten guesses. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever even seen vanilla chocolate chip ice cream for sale. I mean, I guess I have, but... Here's the thing. This article obviously is all fluff about what kind of ice cream people like and why tastes change, blah, blah, blah. But they Mm. do have some good information, which is this used to be a top ten flavor in the United States. It is no longer one. And they then they ask why that would happen. And of course, the answer is because uh, mint chocolate chip is still in the top 10. So yeah, is, there's better things you can pair yeah. with chocolate chip than fucking vanilla. So is chocolate chip cookie dough. So yeah, just as you say, it's just no longer exciting enough, really. Yeah. Yeah. I People love are chocolate. no longer just like, I'll eat anything that's frozen milk. <laughs> I yeah. love chocolate, and I love vanilla ice cream, and yeah, I don't particularly care about this flavor myself. People don't- I bet if you had really, really, really good vanilla ice cream and, like, good quality chocolate, it would yeah. be good, but no one is making that. Yeah. People don't want yeah. uh, vanilla ice cream. They don't want vanilla sex. Uh, we've all just become hellraisers for ice cream. We need something <laughs> much more sick and twisted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'll have some vanilla sex-flavored ice cream. (laughs) See, now that is, that's something Pinhead would serve you. (laughs) Sex-flavored ice cream. Yeah, gross. But here's something I was surprised at. Any guesses for the top flavor of ice cream in the United States as of 2022? Can we ask you, uh, each of us ask two questions, yes or no questions, before we guess? I've heard, I already have a guess. Oh. Okay, well, I want to ask a couple of questions. Okay. okay. Number one, is there a fruit involved in the flavor in some way? No. Shit. Uh, <laughs> I think it's cookies and cream. Matt, ask your next question. Is it a... Is it flavored like a beverage? No. Shit. Okay, I thought for coffee would be one. Okay. Coffee is uh, number seven, so it is on the list. Okay. Any more questions? You said you wanted to. Do you want any more? No, uh, I'm gonna say cookie dough. No, Jeff was correct. It is cookies and cream. Yeah. Good job, Jeff. Which to I was me, surprised by. To me, I did that also is... think Jeff was right, but I had yeah. to guess something <laughs> for the record. You had to be the villain. Yeah. Uh, that... I can't believe how many people agreed that I was the villain of this show. <laughs> Listen! Listen, 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 listen. I'm though. such a but nice person. The thing is, I'm probably the least angry of the three of us in our regular lives. Yeah, that's true. But here's the thing. You're the only one who owns mustache wax. Oh, that's no, true. I do no, own I got some. Jeff some I mustache wax that oh, shit. has when he yeah. was in my wedding. Jeff hasn't gone over to the dark side by starting to use mustache wax. That's true. My mustache just never gets long enough. I've been wondering if I should do that thing where you shave, not shave, but like, buzz your beard down to stubble but leave your mustache like cowboys in old movies with <laughs> yeah. That is a total <laughs> villain move though. If you want to seem <sighs> less villainous, you cannot do that. No, I I well, I'm clearly already the villain. I need to lean into it. All right, yeah. yes then. Yes, I think you should. 
I think that you should look good on me or would it look like I was just a fat man with a mustache? No, I think it would look cool. You'd look like Sam Elliott or something. Or the guy that Sam Elliott thinks he is. I realized several years ago that I can't completely shave my chin because I look so fat because (laughs) you can't really see where your chin stops and your neck begins. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Maybe you should get into makeup contouring instead. Yeah. I I don't I, even think I'm that fat. I just think that like the slope of my chin to my neck is not uh ideal for looking good. Listen, just we all got, hate how we look. Got that Anglo yes. you got that Anglo uh European chin, so mm-hmm. Less inbred over the course of hundreds of thousands <laughs> of years look. Uh, uh, yeah, I I, I, I can't shave that. because I look like an old man baby, like a Benjamin Button, so <laughs> Okay. Well, that could be exciting. Maybe you're traveling backwards in time. We don't know. Oh, yeah. Maybe I went through a tenant machine. Mm-hmm. I feel like living in New York City, as you do, you should lean into looking like a weird character from something at all times. Mm, I agree with this. Do you think it would be possible to learn speaking language like you uh, speaking backwards like you were learning a new language? No. Um, I don't know. Do they have a muzzy tape for backwards English? <laughs> Louisa, do you think it's because your mouth couldn't make some of those sounds forwards? Yes, and I think when you see um, uh, film reverse and you hear people speaking backwards, you have to, because when we speak, we force air out. There are a lot of sounds of air being sucked in, and I don't think you could speak that way. I mean, you can speak while pulling air into your lungs, though. I'm entirely speak basing for yourself. this on that one sequence <laughs> in the movie Top Secret. When they're in the booksellers. Mm-hmm. When they're speaking German, but it's just reverse film. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That movie is so funny. Yes. I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but it's yes, so did. good. I heard people talk about it on some podcast or something, and they're like, it's a really good movie. I didn't appreciate it when I was young. You kind of need yeah. to be older to get the it. The Flophouse, but- they were doing a retrospective yes, yes, yes. on Val Kilmer. <laughs> but they did not at any point mention... That it is a mm-hmm. clear parody of the movies Elvis Presley made, yes. and you need that context to really make this funny. Ugh. Yes, I agree with that. They also said that they felt like it was the least strong of the uh, Zucker, or Abrams, and Zucker yeah. comedy movies because Val Kilmer wasn't as much of a straight man. But I, I think that makes it good in a different way. Yeah, and I think he's doing a total straight man. He is pretending to be Elvis. That is literally it. But he's also, like, game for stuff in a way that the straight man usually isn't. He's just like, okay, I'll join your revolution. Yeah. (laughs) I'll fight somebody underwater. Yeah. Also, I think he is a heterosexual man, so. What? I think he is a heterosexual man, so it makes sense. Good. That was a real uh, penny on the train tracks of our conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is it too late to change the name of the podcast to Penny on the Train Tracks? Uh, people are going to want to know which of us is Penny, yeah. and what would happen if we met a dinosaur. That's a deep, that's no, a deep flophouse like cut. Yeah, like we it. can't make, we can't just use other, yeah, other yeah. podcasts jokes that already didn't make sense. Yep, no. it's true. So the only other thing I wanted to say about this was yes, cookies and cream number one, vanilla number two, which I was very surprised by because when you're 
using ice cream as an element in something else and not just like a cone of ice cream, I feel like vanilla, that's the one you want. So I'm surprised it's not number one. That's uh-huh. true. Although vanilla to me seems like it's always a step down from whipped cream <laughs> in that context. Gross. All right, that's you fair. Know? Yeah, that's fair. If people put a scoop of vanilla ice cream on my pie, what the fuck are you doing? Get out of here. Get me some fucking ready whip right now. Mm, I, I like all of them, though, is the problem. I it just, mm, I don't know. I, I think vanilla <laughs> is second exclusively because of ice cream sundaes. Okay. But if you are getting a cone of ice cream, a bowl of ice cream, or like a pint at the store, or a half gallon of Turkey Hill or whatever, you're going for cookies and cream minimum. I think you are, but I think that the and vast the American majority people are of, too. I'm saying, I think the reason that vanilla is number two, I think you're right, that cookies and cream, number one, yes, that's like being driven by people going and being like, this is what I want. I think vanilla is being driven by people being like, oh, I'm going to have company over. I need an ice cream. Uh, no one will object to vanilla. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah. Like, I, I buy or make vanilla a lot because when I have it, I'm like, I want to have it with some chocolate cake or some fresh strawberries or I made a caramel sauce. I don't want another flavor of ice cream to interfere with my extras. In all those instances, I just think whipped cream would be better and easier. <laughs> But if you're having ice cream, you want it to be vanilla. You must agree. I don't, but I understand what you're saying, but I don't agree with you. Well, what is your news story is my next question. I already did mine. It's about Magic the Gathering. Oh, that's right. Vampires. Vampires. I thought that was your thing that you were talking about. No, that was Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, and I tricked you too, because my thing I talked about was also seemed like my news story. Tenet was your news story. Yes, I do remember that part. Yep. I think we're just done the show now. I think yeah. we are done the show. So thanks everyone for listening to the show. And if you liked it, please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice and tell your friends about the show. I know I say this in a practiced way so you hear it the same way every week and you ignore it, but don't ignore it. Tell someone to watch the show mm-hmm. or listen to it at least. <laughs> yeah, don't tell them to watch it. It's very yeah. boring to watch. <laughs> Um, and if you uh, want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at HackTheNetPod, or you can join us on our Discord and agree with everyone that I'm the bad guy of the show, I guess. You're the um, heel. You, everyone loves yeah. the bad boy. <laughs> uh, I don't want everyone to love me, I just don't want to be the bad guy. <laughs> Macho Man Randy Savage was the heel. That's true. And he got all and that Slim was... Jim money. <laughs> I don't care about wrestling, but I do love the Kool-Aid Man. Mm-hmm. And he and Macho Man Randy Savage had the same catchphrase. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? Yeah. Think about it. Anyway, um, if you want to join our Discord, you can do so by messaging one of us on social media. You can find me on Blue Sky at Matt Heron. If you want to go on Letterboxd or Steam and friend me, I'm Jeff JK on both of those. Uh, I obsessively keep track of all the movies I've seen, and I saw in theaters five movies this week and one at home. So, Dang. Lo- lots for you to look at. And you can talk to me about Super Mario Wonder and other games on Mastodon at Louisa at Mastodon.xyz. Alrighty, thanks everyone for listening to the show. Please come back next week, but in the meantime, do not forget to keep your pockets on Shrek. Don't read the comments. I'm the best around!